The Staff and Graph Podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. And looks for salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team Tidy Business, baby. Welcome to the conference room. This is going to be a you know a monthly show that Rachel and I do here where you get to ask us the questions that have been tickling your brain stems and we get to answer them for you. It's a great way to interact. Uh, we're going to pick a couple. The, you can submit your questions to the thread that is pinned to our Twitter account. If you have anything that's kind of bugging you or that you want answered with something you've never understood, someone who is not me, because I'm Rachel's far smarter than me, will be able to answer that for you. And it'll be a great little, uh, great little activity that we can all do together. So this week we have a couple of, uh, we have a couple of questions to kick off our inaugural episode. And one of them centers around probably one of the most complicated things in hockey these days. It's injured reserve. Rachel, can you explain to me how the injured reserve works? I can. Will you? I will. Thank um, you. I have saved all of you the trouble of reading the CBA. Mm-hmm. I have read the CBA. Yep. Um, I would not recommend it. Really? So, not a nice light read? No. Okay. No, it's not. Um, so essentially there are multiple reserve lists and there's different categories, right? You've got long-term injured reserve. You've got injured reserve, which is mm-hmm. the one we're talking about. You've got your prospect reserve list. There are a few, di- I believe there are four or five. Yeah. But essentially, you go on a list and that basically allows you're not no longer on the active roster, Mm -hmm. which allows your team to not play short. Yes. Which is nice. So injured reserve means the list of all players who, because of injury, illness or disability, are deemed by their respective team to be unable to play for their team Mm -hmm. for an extended period of time, which is set forth in Article 16 of the CBA. Nice. Now. I'm going to assume that no one is going to go and read that, so maybe I should just tell you what Article 16 says. That is so thoughtful of you, Rachel. Why don't you go ahead and do that? Right. Okay, so Article 16.11 of the CBA basically breaks down injured reserve, and it defines it as this. If such player is reasonably expected to be injured, ill, or disabled, and unable to perform their duties as a hockey player for a minimum mm-hmm. of seven days... Okay. From when the injury occurred, they are eligible for IR. Okay. So if I get injured on a Saturday, but you think I can play on the Friday, Mm -hmm. I can't go on injured reserve. Mm, Okay. However, if I get injured on the Saturday, but you think I might be able to come back, you don't want me to put on the list. But then on Tuesday, I see a doctor and the doctor goes, yeah, you're out for another like two or three weeks. Then mm-hmm. you could be placed on injured reserve retroactive. Oh, to the to Saturday. Saturday. Okay. Which helps with cap stuff. Uh, right? No. Oh, no. It helps with you coming back quicker. Yes. yes. Okay. So it basically essentially says, listen, if you're not that injured that you're not missing longer than a week, mm-hmm. then you can't like you, too bad you can't skirt that. around it. But but let's say you go. It's Tuesday now. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, you've seen the doctor, and they go, nope, you can play Friday. Well, then you don't need to go on IR, yes. so you don't have to worry. So it's just a, it's a mechanism. Yes. The retroactive allows you to, or they say you can't, you can't go on IR, but you probably could go on 
uh, you probably couldn't come back by Sunday or Monday. Mm-hmm. Well, if they place you on there retroactively to last Saturday, that's more than seven days. Yeah. So then you'd be able to come back. So that's essentially why you can do it retroactively. Um, however, so let's say you have a season-ending injury. Mm-hmm. And you have to have surgery because of something that happened in the playoffs because of all of the craziness that comes with the playoffs. Yeah. And that injury, similar to like Tyler Sagan this year, um, you're not ready for training camp. You're not ready for the start of the season. You show up, you get your physical, you will obviously fail that physical, mm-hmm. and then you are allowed to go back on the injured reserve list for the start of the next league season. So everybody kind of comes off injured reserve. There's no injured reserve in the summer, like in the off season, yeah. because there's no games being played. Yeah, so there's no point. There's so you no have reason. to basically fail a physical to be eligible for injured reserve. It's the it's the whole Joffrey loophole, you know, David. Like they have to come in, fail that physical, then they can be placed in LTIR. Right. Yeah. So for any player who fails the club's physical or is injured, ill, disabled, while not on the club's active roster. Mm-hmm. They will not be eligible and may not be placed on injured reserve, but instead will be eligible to be considered injured non-roster. Okay. Which is... Is that LTIR? I believe what Joffrey Lupul was. Yeah, of course. He was not participating. Mm -hmm. So the difference is, is if you're on IR, you're allowed to attend team meetings, you're allowed to travel, you're allowed to participate in practice. Yes. If you are injured non-roster, you cannot do that. Ooh. At least to my understanding, you cannot do that. Interesting. So there are, like, Joffrey Lupo was like, you are not allowed to be here <laughs> like anymore. Like, he couldn't sit in on video meetings. He was not allowed to be in, in the, the city. In the building. In the city? <laughs> well, he, basically, Toronto was like, goodbye. Yeah. But he couldn't, he couldn't just, you know, stop by the facility to say hi to the boys. Exactly. Okay. So it, it's kind of like, and some teams will say, if you're on IR, you can't travel. But that's more of a team rule thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, the CBA stipulates that you can travel, you can participate in meetings. And obviously, so if you're on IR, but you're practicing to come back, you don't need to be taken off IR mm-hmm. because you're still not ready to play. So you can still do a ton of things. You're just not allowed to dress for warm up, and you're not allowed to obviously participate in a game. Yeah. So like none of that. But if there's like a skills competition or whatever, like you're allowed to do that. It's just legitimately NHL gameplay and warm up. You're not allowed to take you're not allowed to dress or take part in. Mm-hmm. So essentially, that's kind of how IR works. Um, I know like a ton of people think it's like super, super confusing. But when you really break it down, it's only slightly less confusing. If a player is going to be out longer than a week, they're eligible for IR. Yeah. If they're not then they're not eligible for IR. So, good example, Thomas Shabbat, this past week, he missed two games, and he was only out for five days. Well, if they put him on IR, he would not be able to play tonight. Mm-hmm. Tonight, as in Thursday, when this yes. is being recorded. Um, he wouldn't be able to play, because that's not a long enough period of time. So, it's kind of one of those things where it allows the teams to get different medical opinions um, before they decide, okay, you know what, like, yes, this player needs to go on IR, or no, they don't. And that's why the retroactive one kind of option is there. Because okay. if they decide, like, he's only going to be out for, like, eight days, well, that's still enough to go on IR so that you could play somebody else. Mm-hmm. But it's not enough um, to warrant, like, anything. Like, if, if he's only going to be out for five days, that wouldn't be enough yeah. kind of thing. So it, it really just buys the team time, buys the player time to get the important second opinion, let's say, or Mm -hmm. be able to see the doctor that maybe wasn't in the building that night kind of thing. Um, But essentially it removes you. So you're allowed to have a 23 man active roster. Um, It removes you off the active roster. You still count against the cap. Yeah. 
Okay. So, which is very important. Yes. It's only long-term injured reserve that doesn't count against the cap. Yes. Um, and that's only if you're over and above the cap. That's it's a separate thing. That's and we're gonna. I feel like that's gonna come up. Paid in, out by insurance and all of that other nonsense. I feel like that's injured gonna, reserve is actually the easiest one to understand um, because it's basically: Are you hurt for more than seven days or no? Yeah. And it ends there, and then you're allowed to call up a player. Done. Mm. So um, I think a lot of people get it confused with long-term injured reserve, which is a whole other situation that I don't particularly feel like getting into because there are teams that have done things where I'm like, mm, I don't think the CBA allows that. But they've found a loophole, and so alas, loopholes, here we are. Loopholes happen if you pull hard enough, you know? Exactly. So, um, yeah, IR essentially just kind of opens up a roster spot for you and um, if a player is going to be out for, for longer than seven days. Wow. Okay. Well. Moving on to our second and final question of this particular conference room. Rachel, you worked in the front office. You were around GMs, assistant GMs, coaches, all of that. Yes. (laughs) One question that, uh, uh, you know, we seem to, it seems to be assumed, but from someone who has been tapped into that exclusively, you know, know, that you've been on the front lines. Are coaches and GMs, coaches, all of that, are they overcommitted to veteran players and why? Oh, oh, they're overcommitted. Now, I think some more than others. Okay, so what what's stemming from this? What's going on here? So coaches, inherently because of hockey culture, which we all know is problematic, um, they tend to have this this thing, this inner monologue that mm-hmm. essentially is like you've got to build up your trust, and once you have that trust, it's very hard to not have it anymore. Yeah, which is how a player like Jack Johnson somehow <laughs> is still playing and gets over he league is men. The prime example of a veteran player that coaches and GMs are way too committed to. That is the prime example right there. He must be the best teammate of all time. He clearly. He better um, be. But yeah, there's an overcommitment. And and on the opposite side of things, the younger players have much shorter of a leash. So I remember when Jesper Bratt was mm-hmm. in his rookie year in New Jersey. Yeah. Um, he was categorically one of the top four forwards on the team. Yes. It was Nico, Hall, Palmieri, and Bradder. Mm-hmm. But sometimes Jasper Bratt found himself in the press box in the same way that the team also decided to scratch Damon Severson a few times. Which is a cardinal offense in your they books. They scratched Damon Severson to play uh, Ben Lovejoy. Absurd. Which is another example of overcommitting to a veteran player. It all comes back to this, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. So... You got a bit like younger players have almost no leash at all. You don't get the puck out at the blue line. Mitch Marner, you're playing on the fourth line with Matt Martin, mm-hmm. which did happen. And it worked out pretty well because he got Matt Martin like three points that night. He did. But mm-hmm. that is an example. Patrick Marlowe, you are a grandpa, but game seven, we're down a goal. You find yourself out there with a goalie pulled. Mm-hmm. Were there other options to play there? Yes. Objectively, there were. So players that are younger who've got to build the trust are way more likely to find themselves in the doghouse a lot quicker for a lot less. It's going to be very difficult for somebody like Jack Johnson to not get a chance. Or um, the early 2010s Penguins actually had a few great examples. Um, Dan Bilesma decided that Tanner Glass and uh, Craig Adams should mm-hmm. play only two minutes less than Sidney Crosby. Incredible. Which is a choice. There's also a really good example of this uh, in Leafland. Is there? Um, 
I would say, you know, it, it would maybe pertain to game sevens in which Austin Matthews, John Tavares are stable to the bench while Connor Brown, Patrick Marlowe, Frederick Gauthier, you know, Leo Komarov, guys like that are over the boards. That seems that seems like an overcommitment to the veteran players. Seems but a I think the weird. reason that this is the case is because veterans are perceived to have that like grizzled mm-hmm. experience, mental toughness. They mental been there. Mental toughness and you know what to a degree they do. Yeah. Yeah. They understand like no one is going to debate me on Joe Thornton's winning habits. Uh, someone else. The there man will. has literally won everything except the cup, and the cup is a team thing, mm-hmm. not a Joe Thornton thing. Someone out there will debate you on that. Well, they can be They wrong. can try. Yeah. Um, and so objectively, he would have habits and an understanding of different plays that would allow him to be a little bit more calm. Because we've all seen rookies get the jitters and mm-hmm. and and do things that you generally you wouldn't see. That's why you see young defensemen screwing up. Yeah. Right? They they're getting their feet wet. But then you've got somebody like Kale McCarr, who is objectively ridiculously good. Mm-hmm. And Jared Bednar is like, okay, you've earned your trust. Here you go. Mm-hmm. And now Kale McCarr does whatever he wants. He's broken four people's ankles in the last 48 of hours. Of course, of course. Right. But there's this preconceived notion that veteran players are more trustworthy. They make the right plays. They do it right like all that. Yeah. Whereas the younger players, these young hotshot players, and for the most part, like I think Mitch Marner kind of fit that bill. But like the overcommitment can be very harmful to teams. Mm-hmm. Um, in our last episode, we discussed the Canucks, who are firmly overcommitted to gentlemen named Tyler Myers, Jay Beagle, um, Louis Erickson. Those you know, those guys. kinds of players. So, Not so marquee players, we'd players say. Players getting egregious contracts is the fault of the GM. Yeah. And that is them overcommitting to players. Mm-hmm. But the GMs don't really pick who plays when, right? And that would be the fault of the coach. So there's definitely an over-trustworthiness on veteran players by both GMs and by coaches. And there's definitely, unless it is somebody like and Austin Matthews, a Connor McDavid, yeah. a Sidney Crosby. Um, there's definitely less trust for for younger players when they start their careers. So yeah, I would say that that's something that that definitely exists. It's something like I experienced and, and had to battle like when I was in New Jersey because I was like, why the hell are we scratching Jesper Bratt to play uh, like Miles Wood? Yeah, doesn't make sense. Has improved markedly, and yeah. like I'm really really happy. But, he, for him. but he's no Jesper Bratt. Right. Yeah. Why are we scratching Damon Severson so that Mirko Mueller can play? Or Ben Lovejoy? Like, that's just not... Neither of those defensemen are better than Damon Severson. They're objectively... Not. Inferior. But... Yes. But he's younger. Exactly. And sometimes he goes controller unplugged, although a lot less lately, so good mm-hmm. for him. Hey, Severson for Norris. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like trust is earned and once you have it, it's very hard to get rid of. And if you have a reputation that precedes you, like I'm telling you, John Tavares will be 38 years old and be playing probably 17 minutes still. Yeah. Because that's just how it's going to work. Sidney Crosby will play 18 minutes until Sidney Crosby says so. Yeah. Until until either Sidney Crosby says, I'm done with this. I'm going to go, you know, walk into the sunset and never be heard from again. Yeah. Or um, his body just Goes, shuts down. Yeah, exactly. No coach is going to get to a point where they're like, yeah, I don't think we need to play Sidney Crosby right now. So this is a trend that you could see continuing oh, for the foreseeable future. Yes. 
until we get some uh, fresh blood in the front offices and behind the benches, mm-hmm. um, yeah. it ain't happening. It, it ain't, ain't changing. Happening. So that is that. And on that note, we'll bid you adieu. You can find the podcast at Staff Graph on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Mikey Stevens 81. You can find Rachel at Rachel Dory. The podcast is on iTunes. It's on Spotify. It's on any podcatcher you can think of. And we do, at some point, hope to get this in video form. It's just pandemic is a thing. It's a little tough. Um, But bear with us. We'll be giving you this sweet, sweet content for decades to come. And on that note, we bid you farewell.